You're listening to the Viva La Mami podcast, a podcast about all things motherhood. I'm your host, Jessica Cuevas. I am a mother of one on a mission to redefine the meaning of motherhood as a first-generation, bilingual, and bicultural Latina mommy. Regardless if we feel like a failure from time to time, or if we succeeded with the little things in our motherhood journey, it is important to celebrate all of these experiences as madres. So bring your cafecito as I invite you to be a part of this space and create raw and honest conversations about the exciting and challenging parts of being a mommy. Ahora, vámonos. Hola, hola, amiga. This is Jessica Cuevas, your host from the Viva La Mami podcast. I decided to start my first episode to introduce myself and to tell you a little bit more about me. Just that way you have some context about who I am and hopefully we can connect in some level. I am also going to share what brings me here and why I have decided to create a podcast that is tailored to the Latina mom. This time of the recording of this episode, I am 33 years old. I was born and raised in the city of Chicago. So go Cubs. I am a daughter of immigrants and I am very proud of that just because it's something that is part of my identity and this is still something that is rooted in me, the way that I present myself, the way that I have my lived experiences now as a mother. And so that is something that I always hold true to my identity as a daughter of immigrants. Both of my parents come from Mexico, specifically Guanajuato. So shout out to those of you who are from Guanajuato or whose families come from Guanajuato, I am the oldest of three daughters. I have two sisters. The middle child is 11 months younger than me. Honestly, like I have no idea how my mom raised two kids under two. Like I'm already struggling with having one and he's a toddler right now. I I don't know how she navigated that, having two children under two. I also have a younger sister, so she is eight years younger than me. We're all Gemini, quick fact. So just a little bit about my family. Growing up, I lived in a multifamily and multi-generational household in the city. Once my mommy returned to work when I was around four years old, my grandmother quit her job to take care of us. I was raised by mi abuelita or abueli along with my sister and twin cousins. So all of us were within a year apart from each other. You can imagine the madness my abuelito's house got every day during the week. I am a proud product of CPS. Usually when you hear this by Chicagoans, you'll know what I mean. This means that I attended a neighborhood school within the Chicago public school system. I grew up in a predominantly Latinx neighborhood, and it wasn't just one specific ethnic group within the neighborhood. I grew up with a lot of Puerto Rican neighbors, Guatemalan friends, really all around Central and South America, which was pretty cool. As far as with my identity, I mostly identified myself as Latina. Overall, within the household, Spanish was the only language spoken at home. I had this strong sense of identity in my Mexican culture and heritage through my family. I am married with my, I want to say high school sweetheart, but my husband claims that no, we were lovers or whatever we met in eighth grade so I we've been together since eighth grade I never knew how our relationship would evolve and get 
this far, right? And I think it's because we both respected each other. We both trusted in the relationship. And so, yeah, we we were boyfriend, girlfriend all throughout high school. I believe that our relationship got even stronger once I went away for school. My husband decided to stay here. He decided to do the trades and I decided to go to a four-year small private college in the middle of nowhere. Through my college experience, I was very involved in like student affairs related stuff. So I was a tour guide and part of that experience is embedded through like my interest in education, but I didn't see myself being a teacher, even though I was an education major. I just love the concept of education and love the concept of inspiring students and guiding them. He proposed when I was a senior in college, so I was very young and Yeah, we got married about a year after that in 2013 as a first-generation college graduate professional. I really didn't know how to navigate this professional world. My dad had always had factory jobs. My mom was more of a clerical worker working for a top-tier insurance company. They were pretty stagnant throughout their careers. And so me, now that I was a college graduate, I was like, well, where the heck am I going to go? What am I going to do? And so through mentors at the college and through different connections that I had, they were like, you know what, you should try admissions and see where you can go from there. So I was like, okay. So that was my first job out of college. I worked at a small four-year college in Naperville, Illinois. Working in education overall, people are just underpaid. And so because of that, and I wouldn't say just because of that, but also because I am first gen, all of the pressures on me, and even my husband, he's also first generation here. We didn't know how to navigate things related to money or finances. And so really our relationship was up and down during the first two years. Just like every marriage, sometimes you don't know what to expect. But after about two years, we were like, you know, the only way to move up in generational wealth is to buy a home. And so at that time, we didn't want to move to the suburbs, kind of like the traditional way that you do when you get married. We were like, you know what? We're so young. Why don't we just buy a condo in the city? And so, yeah, we decided to move to the city, which I honestly loved. And and we moved closer to the lake in Edgewater, which is one of the northeast kind of neighborhoods in the city. We loved it. I would say like between when I was like 25 and 30 years old I was like oh I'm living the dream like this is cool I moved up in higher ed I was slowly getting pay increases and I started to work for different universities so did my husband like he got promoted he was a mechanic and then he moved up to journeyman for a dealership near where we lived and so yeah it was it was all great I decided to go to grad school just because I was always the person to like check off boxes. Life is linear and that's the only way that you're going to move up. That's the only way that you're going to move forward. I don't know about y'all, but that that's just who I am. And so 
I was like, okay, well, what's next? So the next thing was like, okay, I'll go to grad school. I decided to get a master's in higher ed. What is that? It's a master's degree in education. It was focused in student affairs. I learned a lot about student development theory. So that really intrigued me. But what I really loved about the program was that it was centered on social justice. And so my program was focused on learning about the different isms, right? Like racism, you know, sexism, and really understanding how that is sort of manifested through student life experience. But I also kind of thought about my own experience growing up in a in a predominantly Latinx neighborhood, how in a way we were kind of in our own little bubble. And and then it really hit me when I went to a predominantly white institution. It was a really good program to understand just the different concepts involved, privilege and oppression and social justice. But also it helped me reflect on myself and my journey. And even to this day, I use a lot of that critical race theory that I learned even as a mom. And so, yeah, so when I turned 30, I had already earned my graduate degree. I was like, let's see if we can start having a baby. We were like, okay, before we have a baby, why don't we move to the suburbs? My parents had already lived in the suburbs and my sister did too. And she has a family of her own. And so we were like, okay, let's move closer to family. We moved to the Southwest suburbs in 2019. Once we moved here, we were settling in. It was, it was pretty great just doing different projects in the house, updating, upgrading things. And then COVID hit at that time. I was like, okay, should we have a family? Should we not? I don't know what this thing is about. How long will COVID last? And we're like, okay, let's just give it a try. Well, I actually got pregnant on the first try. So this is something that really shocked me just because you hear all of these stories. I know people, I personally know people about infertility or the struggles of getting pregnant. I was not expecting this at all, but it happened. I would say that I'm very blessed and and privileged. So yeah, I got pregnant. I We found out in May of 2020. And yeah, we were excited. We were just really thrilled. Ever since we found out we were expecting, I bought a bunch of books related to pregnancy, followed all of the mommy influencers I could find as they shared their pregnancy journeys on social media. However, something was missing. I quickly noticed that there was a lack of representation specific to the Latina community. I did not see people who looked like me or spoke my language, nor there was a single article or chapter of a pregnancy book that is centered on our culture and how that may make an impact on motherhood, parenting, and so forth. The only thing that I found was a book called Waiting for Bebe by Lourdes Cañiz, but the book was published in 2003. That information is no longer relevant, and I think that there needs to be a change about that. I got pretty upset about the scarcity of resources for pregnant Latina women and motherhood in general. And so after this, I decided to get a Latina doula who was able to provide us with the cultural relevant perinatal education that I was looking for. Because my pregnancy took place during the peak of the pandemic in late 2020, we were not able to use our doula for the birth of our child. So that was a bummer. And I truly wish we had her during my labor, but 
it didn't work out. There's so many benefits of having a doula. And in future episodes, I'm going to share the benefits of having a doula and how they can support people and families during pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So our baby boy was born in January 2021. And for the purpose of respecting his identity, I will not be sharing his name, but you can refer him to D. Ever since I gave birth to D, my life completely changed. My mommy siempre me dijo, los niños te cambian la vida. And it is so true. Although I share my experiences as a Latina mommy in my blog, and you'll certainly know more about me and my motherhood journey in this podcast, being a mommy changed me in so many ways, from my physical body to my career trajectory and everything in between. Being a mommy also inspired me to create this podcast. I would say that there are two reasons why I am creating this podcast. First, ever since I got pregnant of D, I noticed how much lack of representation there was tailored to Latinas in their perinatal experience, whether it be trying to conceive to actual motherhood. Not much information or stories are out there about motherhood with this added layer of the Latinx culture. If you go to YouTube and type Latina mom, all you see are the stereotypes about a Latina mom. And I'm sure you can envision this in your head right now. And yes, you are correct. A mamá con la chancla. This infuriates me because this isn't the only depiction of a Latina mom, nor should it be. We are caring, loving, hardworking, loyal people. And it is time for us to change the narrative of being the feisty, angry madre con la chancla. As a new mother of a one-year-old son who identifies as first-gen Latina in the U.S., there have been moments when I didn't receive clarity to my questions or concerns. And this is specific to like, okay, what is the right way to mother, right? And you see all these resources, you see all these things. We live in a day of age of like everything is at the palm of your hands. But oftentimes these articles, these resources, even these social media accounts don't really resonate to me. This is coming from one type of identity from and and that is the predominant identity, right? And and not to bash on all of these really helpful resources, all of these really inspiring social media accounts, but Again, when we're adding this extra layer of motherhood with your own identity that you grew up with, I feel that there is a missing gap. There's a gap and an opportunity for moms, especially Latina moms, to kind of talk about their experiences. This lack of representation about the Latina motherhood experience can often make us feel a little bit isolated, where the term ni de aquí ni de allá truly resonates. There have been many moments where I'm like, oh, I don't know where I belong, even within motherhood. And I've navigated this since college, since I went to a predominantly white institution. Where do I belong? No me siento ni de aquí ni de allá. And now as a Latina mom, I often feel that same sentiment of not knowing where to belong and feeling the sense of isolation. The second reason why I am creating this podcast is so that we can talk about our experiences as Latina moms. While I love mi cultura, 
One of the downfalls is how much he's small is embedded in us, even if it's perpetuated or unintentional. Our culture has taught us to be quiet and not to voice our lived experiences. We've all heard, calladita te ves mas bonita. How can we dismantle that narrative? Oftentimes, our stories have never been told. Our voices have never been heard. And I think it's time to just break that. I think it's time to elevate ourselves, our voices, our stories, our experiences through this platform. And so my focus will be to have conversations about our existence as mommies, but also about how do we bridge these two kind of identities together? How do we redefine what motherhood, or in this case, madrehood, really is? In order for us to redefine the meaning of madrehood, we have to simply talk about it. Therefore, I will be inviting guests in this podcast, just regular moms who have unique stories and experiences that are so worth telling. But I'm also going to interview experts from a variety of fields who will share their expertise and provide you with resources that is tailored to the Latina mom, whether if it's evidence-based information or just educational resources for other Latina moms that are able to resonate. And that's why I wanted to establish this platform so that we can all be informed and and also like validating that our experiences are true that our experiences are unique there are so many nuances when navigating motherhood whether it be how to raise bilingual children even though i mostly speak spanglish right and and there are times when i hear other moms talking about their experiences and raising children they often feel the pressure of like raising a perfect well spoken bilingual child but what if mommy doesn't know spanish right or what if mommy only speaks spanish and doesn't know a lick of english right so what does that look like when you're raising a bilingual child or if apuru is for real right like i've gotten so many comments from specifically my family and my husband's family about oh dale vapuru Eso sí sirve. And it's like, okay, does it though? You know, is it just a cultural thing? And I'm not here to make a debate, but also I want to make sure that I make informed decisions, even with the little things with like putting vapuru on my son's chest. So how can we be best informed? And so again, this is a platform for all mommies who identify as Latina, so that you don't feel isolated in your journey. So for me, motherhood embodies the many ways in which Latinas get to choose and define who they are and what they want out of their journey. I'm really excited to be a part of this journey with you all, and I really look forward to growing with you, to be a part of your story as well. And so I hope that you can stick around for the next episode and eventually throughout the life of this podcast so that we can each learn from each other, from our experiences, and from our stories, and just about knowing what the meaning of motherhood is all about. And so I'm just very excited. I have all of these ideas and ways in which we can all come together, but I 
I hope that through this podcast, you feel some level of validation and reassurance, again, that knowing that you're not alone, so that you know that you have space to learn more about our culture, our identity in the lens of mothering. Thank you for tuning in to the Viva La Mami podcast. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a review and write what episode really resonated with you. If you really loved it, share it on social media or with an amiga. As always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. Make sure to follow me at Viva La Mami on Instagram or visit vivalamami.com. Please note the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be replaced by your healthcare provider nor taken as professional advice. <laughs>